Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world, featuring the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? Player. It's just like a story chest of ideas. Jam. Either version. I love both versions. Other special guests. Hi, this is Larry Grant. And you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Ricky Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. What's happening, Australia? This is Tony M from the New Power Generation. You're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is St. Paul Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Eden Nelson. You're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Peach and Black Podcast. The panel are back in town again, and this time we're getting together to review an album. The name of that album is Apollonia 6. Came out in 1984. Ah. But before I continue, I should probably introduce the rest of the panel. Player. It's Player from Neptune. <laughs> Toe Jam. MC, put some clothes on. Captain, take some off. <laughs> <laughs> and Captain. Meow. And Captain. <laughs> okay, no, one got that. no one got that joke. And it is uh, me in the place to be. Rob S is the name. Podcasting is the game. We are all back again around this virtual roundtable in Australia to discuss the debut and only album by the group Apollonia 6, who were put together by Prince as a replacement to the band or group Vanity 6, and they recorded an album with seven tracks. We're going to discuss all of those songs because we have to, because that's what the album's comprised of. Before we go into our world-famous official, unofficial track-by-track analysis... <laughs> Let's uh, open it up to the floor and to the panel. Just random comments, remarks, and all that sort of good stuff around Apollonia 6, the band, the group, what was happening in, in this uh, period of Prince's career. And uh, let's put a bit of context at the front of this review so that people have a little bit of, an, of a better understanding once we start talking about the music with regards to where we're coming from. Well, I mean, let's get straight to it. I mean, Prince had done the Vanity 6 album and then production had started on the Purple Rain movie and album. And obviously there was some sort of issue with Vanity. Vanity's gone. So Apollonia 6 has arose from the ashes and is basically (laughs) Vanity 6 2 with a totally different lead singer. It looks quite similar. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how similar these two look, isn't it? I mean, where do, how do you where do you find these people? A casting call. Yeah. <laughs> run by Morris. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy, isn't it? So Prince in effect continues the same side project but swaps out the lead character who is almost a splitting image of the lady who was uh, fronting the initial band and he just continues. He keeps writing music, keeps the whole thing they- going. I don't think they had much choice. I mean, I, I think they might have even filmed a scene or two with Vanity and they'd already recorded some of the songs. Like, so when she's dropped out, like there's so much writing on this thing. It, it's, it's like the only option left to them. It's like, let's just get another lead singer and pretend nothing happened. Mm. <laughs> Presumably he needed a new lead singer, not just for the band. And then he re- renamed the band after Apollonia Cotero, but 
he also needed a new leading lady, right, for the Purple Rain movie. So it was pretty key to get this uh, this sorted. And once he did, he starts recording all this music. And uh, Wendy and Lisa and Sheila Ree are also involved in, in the um, composition and, and the recording of many of these songs. But he was just a, what was it, uh, a storage house of ideas? I forget which one of us said that. <laughs> but that's basically what he was at this time, especially just so prolific, putting out song after song after song after song. This album was released in October 1984, so it was a bit after Purple Rain came out. As for the album, I've got a couple of things. One comment which I will explain later is don't judge a book by its cover, or an album in this case. I'll explain that later, but you'll get it when I explain it. But I won't say it now because I've got to explain it <laughs> later. Right. Uh, you know what? I never heard this album. I cannot remember ever listening to it until a few weeks ago. And every oh. song, apart from Sex Shooter, I'm like, I've never heard these songs. <laughs> and so we, I, start, I started listening to it, and I'd had a crap day all round. And then I came home and I'm like, okay, I've got to write these notes. I started listening to this album. And let's just say my first draft of notes for this album was not kind. It was... <laughs> if we went with my original notes, this could be a very different show. But I listened to it a bunch more in a better mood. My thoughts have changed slightly. Not a huge lot, but yeah. Just thought I'd say that. But yeah, I'd never heard this album. I'd never heard it. I'm definitely curious to hear your thoughts i remember i heard this pretty early for, for me anyway i remember i found the record of this somewhere i had the i've had the record for ages and i had it transferred i took it over to like a store this is in the old, the old days when to get a record onto a cd you had to take it somewhere to wow. do it for you I paid, like uh, 50 wow. bucks. I paid like 50 bucks to get someone to put the record onto a cd oh my God. bucks i can't remember <laughs> but i felt so cool i was like i had a cd I had a CD of, of um, Apollonia 6 for ages with, like, record scratch and everything. <laughs> wow. Actually, Captain, anyway, you made a good go. point about it being released after Purple Rain film in October. Like, this album was recorded, I think, between December 83 and March 84. The mm. Purple Rain movie came out mid-84, and this came out in October. That's a pretty big gap from the actual recording stage to release stage. Yeah. I wonder what happened I think. I think the single, like, I think Sex Shooter came out as a single yeah, before. That's right. But that's yeah, it, yeah, the album came out late. Yeah. And it's not like it was waiting for anything because he had already recorded everything and he'd already lost interest and took all the good songs off. Yeah, well, that's so right. There was supposed to be so Glamorous Life scheduled yep. for this and Manic Monday. Manic Monday, 17 days. And 17 days, right. So he literally right. took the three best songs on the album off. <laughs> yes. Well, as soon as he found out Apollonia was leaving, he's like, why even bother with this album, basically? Okay. Yeah. No disrespect to Apollonia, but Apollonia isn't a singer. Like, she's an actress. And she would have okay. just been, she would have been just following Prince's vocal track. So you can hear yeah. that so often through this album, actually. You can tell she's just like repeating yeah. what Prince has done. Oh, but I mean, give like, me some horns. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, even if you listen to The Time, Sheila E, all, the, all those other, it, it's the same, the family. It's all the same. Yeah. They're, they're following the guide track. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's pretty clear why he didn't release this at the time that Purple Rain came out. He didn't want to be upstaged by anything. Yeah. So of course. <laughs> oh, I'm sure this album would be, it'd totally blow Purple Rain album out of the water. I'm so glad he hey, held it back. You never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Yeah, this would have knocked Purple Rain off the number one spot for sure. So lucky it was just held it back till later. Mm. 
So yeah, clever, clever marketing. And I, I can't remember what month the Time album came out in 1984. Does anyone recall? There's an age-old debate of, you know, having the Time and Apollonia tracks on the Purple Rain soundtrack. Like a traditional soundtrack, you have like all the songs oh, from the right. movie or no. Yeah. You kind of feel sorry for Prince. Like, can you imagine if Time had a stuck together? Because, you know, the, the Ice Cream Castle albums is kind of fragmented. It's like there's some old live recordings and there's these half-finished songs yeah. and and that's yeah. kind of what the Apollonia Sticks album is as well. And there's a good single on each one. And it's kind of like you can imagine if Purple Rain and like a, a Time album as good as What Time Is It and an Apollonia album with tracks like 17 Days and Glamorous Life, like that would have been huge, those three albums. But now it's like you've got Purple Rain, which is this massive album, and then you've got these two kind of half-baked side projects to go with it. It's like, man. Whoa, so whoa, whoa. That, that third Time album, come on. That's... No way. Compared to the first two, it's like, are you serious? I'm completely <laughs> serious. The third time album's disappointing. Oh, what? Yeah. In no way. No, we have we arguably the best of them. No. Yes, easily. No. Look, it's, listen, <laughs> Purple Rain, the movie, came out near the end of July. The third time album came out the start of July. Okay. So it was oh, a couple of weeks wrong. before. Interesting. Yeah, I think what time... I mean, easily the, the two best time albums are Ice Cream Castle and... Um, what time is it? But which one takes the cake? I don't know. I would say the first two. I, I think. Uh, this is a anyway, great Apollonia review. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is the album that bad? You just don't want to talk about it? <laughs> We'd just rather talk about anything else instead? Let's get back to, to business. Context done. Let's go straight into music. Track number one. Happy birthday, Mr. Christian. Seven minutes worth of music. <laughs> Captain, since you're so excited. <laughs> I love the way you say, in quotes, music. <laughs> you can't contain your excitement. Go ahead, Captain. Open up this review of track number one for us. Okay. Brenda, main vocals. Interesting. Okay. But this is not a great song. This is the first song on the album. It's also the longest song on the album. It's just over seven minutes. The first verse isn't bad. There's some cowbells come in the chorus. Got... Your typical little weird Prince interlude that he was doing around this time, 225 to 240. About 443 starts off this funky little groove, but then that sort of changes. The last two minutes, it's got some cool little instrumental bits and some fake horns, but there is nothing really great about this track. Uh, there's a cool little wakiwa guitar that surfaces here and there. It's very reminiscent of the wah-wah, the guitar sound in America, because it probably is the same guitar sound he used in America. This song, when she sings Happy Birthday near the end of this song, <laughs> it is... Sorry, Patricia, it's awful. That was just... It's really bad. <laughs> it's not good. you got Susanna and Brown Mark on backing vocals. Not, you can probably just hear them. But even for someone who likes rubbish 80s pop, I can't say that I like this song. You know, some are great, some are good, some are so bad that they're good, but this is just below average in just about every aspect that you can think of. As a seven-minute song, it's like at least four and a half minutes too long. It's not a good start to an album. It's... I'd just better stop talking now. Somebody else go. I can't, I can't say anymore. Well, it's got a few typical print sounds. It's got the stock Lindrum programming. I don't know why the vocals remind me of the sound of the vocals on the 2007 Prince song Resolution. Does anyone else hear that? I don't know yeah. why that is. I can't remember that track at all. <laughs> well, the, the sound, again, the sound of the vocals and the way they're sung reminds me of how 
Prince and Wendy and, and Lisa sing uh, sing the song Resolution. There's a cool line. Uh, I can't disagree with most of your comments, Captain, but there is a cool line where she says, Mr. Christian, why can't you live up to your name? Uh, that's yeah. kind of that's kind of cool, like the pseudo-religious reference there. But I agree. It's a it's three to four minutes too long. The synth refrain is kind of memorable, but if anything's kind of memorable, it's not really that memorable, is it? So, yeah, it's not really that great. And it's really long, a really long opener that you have to sit through before you get to the, the good stuff, which is coming up in track number two, if you ask me. So those are my thoughts. Play up. I have to echo what you two guys have said. Uh, in my notes, I've got it's a weak opener at seven minutes. Boy, does this drag. No memorable hook. And also, too, it just comes off board. Like, they're using, I guess, this seductive voice. You know, they've got them dressed in lingerie on the front cover and holding teddy bears and got this whole fantasy thing going on. But, you know, the the vocal, at least the vocal part, it just just comes off kind of bored. And like Captain said, seven minutes way too long. So It's not an exciting song. No. For an album opener, it just sounds so bored. Yeah, and you need something... It's going to pop and grab your attention as a, you know, an album opener, and this isn't it. Um, I don't know if you do a, an MC and resequence the album, if it makes it any better, but I don't think placing this anywhere will, will make it better. No, 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 no. You can't resequence this. I'll tell you if that If started resequencing this album, you'd only get it down to like a, a single. You'd have like <laughs> two songs s- left. It'd be a single. It'd actually be a single Wouldn't release. Wouldn't even be an EP. It'd be a CD single. <laughs> It'll be a digital track. Digital, <laughs> digital single. Uh, Toe Jam, round out this review of the opening number. I don't dislike it as much as you guys, actually. It's not something I listen to regularly, but I like the groove of the song. It's got that classic 1984 Prince and the Revolution, that sort of warehouse sound. It sounds like it's recorded in that warehouse. I quite like the little three-note synth thing that sort of descends. Bring, bring, bring. Then the next one starts a note higher and finishes lower. Then the next one starts a note higher. So it's, you get this impression of it's getting bigger, these three notes. I kind of like the bass, this sort of chugging bass dun, 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 through it. I actually think it gets kind of funky from about four minutes onwards. Uh, you got that give me some horns. You get those cheesy fake horns coming in. I think this song is kind of, it's a little bit risky opening an album like this with a song about the subject matter about what it is it's it's kind of ballsy but at the same time it's kind of off-putting as well it's not it's not something you listen to and sing along to because the subject matter is quite dark um and then you've got these sort of weird jokes that go along with it like oh that's not a pencil it's like i don't find that really funny like it's, <laughs> it made me laugh <laughs> it's like it's funny but it's at the same time it's like it's not that funny it's a bit off-putting so it's it's this weird mix of are we supposed to be laughing along with this song or is it like, it just doesn't, it, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird kind of vibe in this song. You, you, the word you're looking for is uncomfortable. That's the best word. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Are you reviewing our show or are you reviewing the opening track of this album? <laughs> <laughs> Both. It's got those spacey synths. It's got the big open warehouse sound. Like, I like that. It's, it's got that Purple Rain sort of sound. This song, I think, is, has the closest to that Purple Rain sort of sound. So in that sense, it kind of fits with this era and album one thing i find kind of funny in this song is when the chorus is happening and the vocals are going you ought to be ashamed and then i think you hear one of the girls i'm not sure if it's apollonia i think it is apollonia she's like you ought to be ashamed like she's fully putting it out there and then there's one part where she goes why can't you live up to your day and she tries to do like the classic you know prince endorphin machine scream and it just it just it doesn't happen (laughs) she runs out of steam (laughs) 
yeah. yeah. That's that part I laughed at the song, not with the song. So. Oh. Uh, but it is kind of skippable. I don't think any of you guys have seen. There's an Apollonia Six like mini movie. It's about yeah, I've seen eighteen that. minutes long or something. Did you watch it? And years ago. Mr. Christian is like a he's like a headmaster of a school for bad girls or something. <laughs> and it's it's just a weird thing to watch. It's it's interesting. It's as cheesy as hell because it's just. Who's the guy that plays the school teacher? I don't know. I kept looking out for anyone I might recognise, but I didn't notice anyone except the three girls. It's not Owen Husney? No, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like a school teacher, doesn't he? But yeah, it's on YouTube, anyone. Just go and watch, just search Apollonia 6. Is it Mr. Christian? (laughs) Somebody made a bad girl in Minneapolis? I mean, it is interesting, the lyric where it's like, um, you know, you, you want a teenage pastime and I want a love that's true. It's like, that's kind of an interesting line because it really kind of shows the the way, like the exploitation and, and the naivety kind of, yeah, I don't know, it's kind of dark. So that, that's an interesting lyric. No, Jam's getting deep tonight. <laughs> no, like, I'm thinking like the psychology behind it. Like, now, Someone's got to play doctor on this show. It might as well be you. <laughs> it's a very interesting watch. And then Mr. Christian pulls this prank that he died. And, like, they're sitting there at the reading of the will, and they end up getting nothing because he said, oh, you girls, you never know. You've never done a day of work, and you just hang around me and spend all my money. And then I won't tell you what happens at the end, but it's it's an interesting watch. Well, in the song, the big, like, shocking moment at the end is they have a son. Oh, that doesn't that's not in the movie. I think we can safely oh. move on. We can. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone still listening to this episode, we uh, <laughs> the single to the Apollonia 6 album, one of the singles, track number two. It's entitled Sex Shooter. Song about a sniper, isn't it? Now, <laughs> trousers. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to hand this over to Toe Jam to uh, cleanse himself from the previous review and uh, give us his thoughts on <laughs> on this song. Uh, okay, Sex Shooter. I mean, I think everyone's going to say this. This is definitely the best song on the album. It was originally recorded for the Vanity Six group, and uh, obviously Apollonia's come along and overdubbed her vocal over the top of it. I think it's a great pop song. It's got that slow flange effect on the Lindrum, which is really cool. Gives it like like a train sort of sound, like this old you know, steam engine train. You've got the bass walking a lot and it's doing a bit of harmonic minor stuff, which is kind of cool. Not much, not much walking bass that uses harmonic minor. Uh, you've got two really cool synth, I call them knee dip lines, the song knee dip from George yeah. Clinton years ago. There's one that goes, like that's really hooky. And then you've got another one as well. And the, the two of them like really hooky, like really catchy little earworms. Uh, I like the, whoa. There's a few woes in this album. Mm. Uh, you've got a lyric about all the nasty people seeing it, which is very reminiscent of DMSR and, and again, the 1982 kind of sound. Uh, lots of Minneapolis synths, you know, these big synth stabs on beat two, really classic, again, 1982 kind of sound. Yeah, I mean, this is the best song on the album by far, and it's probably the only one on this album that might, you know, that would be worthy of, you know, inclusion in the Purple Rain album if, if he was going to do it that way. And I guess that's probably like why it's the only one in the actual movie, the Purple Rain movie. So yeah, there you go. 
All right, all right. Player, what are your thoughts on this one? I am in agreement. It's straight Minneapolis sound. I love, like what Togem said, the um, Lindrum running through the flanger. So, like, Prince takes his Lindrum, runs, instead of it running into an amplifier or the desk, he runs it through his guitar pedals. And he gets this amazing sound that drives the whole song. It's, it's, a, it's amazing. Lead line's memorable. As uh, Tojem said, with the the keyboards, there's some really cool keyboard noodling uh, sprinkled out through, throughout the verses. It's really cool, and this is this is a classic song. It's been covered many many times from dance artists. You know, you go to clubs, the, the people cover this song. It's just it's just a really cool song. It's it, everybody loves it that I know of. I don't know of anyone that doesn't like this song. So it's uh, it's really cool. Captain, what are your thoughts on Sex Shooter, the single? This was the first single, and. After the first track, this sounds like the best song that's ever been written in the history of human people. <laughs> this is really this is really the only song I would call great on this album. Like you said, it's another classic early 80s Minneapolis sound song. As Toejam already said, you got the, this phasing on the drums. And as soon as I heard it, I'm like, what other song did he use that on? And he used that on a few songs around like 84. But I think the most obvious one I could think of is She's Always In My Hair. It's on those drums at the start as well. But it's on other stuff from like 84, 85. I just couldn't think of anything else without going back and listening to everything. I think Sugar Walls might do something similar, I think. Ooh, maybe. Uh, I like in the verses, there's these funky little synth noodling things, like after each line she sings. Yeah. And yeah, Toe Jam said as well, the walking bass lines on this song, it's just good stuff. Okay, here's one thing that I don't get about this song. And it's something he seemed, Prince seemed to do now and then through his career. And that is the... Gender reversal, because technically, wouldn't it be a guy who is shooting his love in your direction? <laughs> that's that's my point. And come on, kiss the gun. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's women out there who are quite capable, but generally speaking, it's guys who talk about doing these sort of things. So this is like one of those early, oh, it's a woman singing a man's thing. It's a, That's a thing that he did. I thought you got right into those Asian movies. <laughs> only if it, only if it's K-pop. That's all. Yeah. Well, it popped all right. Um, <laughs> there is a dance version of this, which is six minutes forty something seconds long. It's pretty much the same though, up until about three thirty, and then it just breaks down, and there's a little synth solo, and then it just sort of just jams out until the end with not much happening. But this is like Toe Jam said, absolutely, this is the best song on the album. It is. But it's it's close to another one. There is one other song which is pretty good. Actually, there's two. There's two other songs which are pretty close. But th- yeah, this is the best. Pause the video now and choose your songs that Captain will. <laughs> this is without a doubt the best song on the album. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the best song on the album. I'm surprised that no one's mentioned the, I don't know if you call that a pun or what it is, but he's basically appropriated the term or the name six shooter, which is another word for a gun, a normal gun that holds six bullets. And instead a of six shooter, shooter it's, oh, yeah, six shooter is, a, is the name for a, for a gun with six bullets. I never so even thought of that. Is, wow. And think about six bullets, Apollonia six, six bullets and a gun, sex uh, shooter, she's shooting six bullets. He's getting shot at, he's getting six books, six <laughs> bullets shot at, at him, or you could take it another way. <laughs> Just realize what I was saying. So yeah, there's a, it's pretty clever actually. And I don't get the role reversal at all because I don't see it as like, I didn't think of it physically in, in a, in a physical sense, like the gun representing a phallic symbol that's shooting. I just think 
it's like a metaphor of being, how do I put this delicately? <laughs> I don't think I can put it delicately. <laughs> of being, let me just say, the guy needs an umbrella, all right? It's it's raining heavy. <laughs> raining heavy. Heavy between the three of them. So, things are happening. And um, when did the show become so perverted? Hang on a second. <laughs> it's it's a gift to sound like a pervert reviewing this song, isn't it? <laughs> this is a classic Prince Come On track, big time. Even though Apollonia and the girls are singing this, Prince wrote it, therefore it's a come on track by him. It's got this really cool, funky synth. You guys have all spoken about this. The, the synth hook, the funny lyrics. I find them hilarious to listen to, but they're, they're nasty as well. And it's a track that goes hand in hand with Nasty Girl. Like play Nasty Girl and play this. Two massive jams. And I think players said they still jam this in the clubs. They do. They play this and Nasty Girl in the clubs. And they're bangers. They're club bangers, uh, so to speak. And uh, that nice walking bass line that Toe Jam mentioned, I've got the same uh, reaction to or response to that. It's really nice to listen to. And lastly, the one thing that, again, I'm surprised no one picked up was the do 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 he used that, I think Eric Leeds played a bit of a horn line during yeah, the Rodic in the Love City, Sexy concerts. Yeah, Love Sexy show. Yeah. So, yeah, it took, you know took me a while Those, to think about that it. That Love Sexy, the entire Love Sexy production, apart from all the songs that are obviously there, I reckon there's at least... Uh, during the Erotic City, 10, yeah. There's yeah, at least yeah. like 10 to 20 snippets just like that, which are like three seconds long. And the more you listen to the entire back catalogue and all the associated artists, and then you go back and you listen to Love Sexy, the live show, it just blows your mind how many tiny little things like that are in there. And that's just one of them. Yeah. And it's just a little three-second thing. But there's so many throughout that show. It's crazy. I think the most obvious one, even if this is not a Love Sexy live review show, the most obvious one is the, well, it's not even an excerpt. He plays four. They do an instrumental version of four, don't they? I can't or is remember. it six? Yeah, I think it might be six. There is some Madhouse track in there. There might even be two. Mm. Well, there's six on this show. So anyway, that's my, um, <laughs> that's my review of this track. And that takes us to song number three, which is entitled... He's got to check. Blue Limousine. <laughs> <laughs> We're, uh, track number three, which is entitled Blue Limousine. Take this away, Captain. Second single and final single from the album. And I can see why. It's a good little pop song for the time. To me, this sounds like Toe Jam's always talking about brother and sister songs. This song is the cousin of 17 Days. It's a very similar tempo, similar sounds, the guitar sounds, the synth sounds, they all remind me of 17 Days every time I hear it. And when you think about 17 Days was probably going to be on this album as well. Mm, that's interesting, isn't it? It's like he's gone, well, I'm not going to use 17 Days. It's interesting. Yeah. Maybe they were too similar and he's like, uh, well, we can't have both. The melody in the verses, it's a bit boring though, but the chorus, I love the chorus. It's just a basic but nice progression. I like it. You've got Susanna on backing vocals, and again, you've got Brenda on lead vocals. And again, I'll, I'll talk about that later. If you're driving in the car and you listen to this, all the horn sounds are quite annoying. You know, every few seconds, you turn it around to see what's going on. But no, it's in the song. But that's fine. <laughs> There's all these horn songs, like in the last half of this song, and every time I'm driving... You mean like car horns? Yeah. When I was listening to it, every time I went through the song, I'm like, What? And I turn it down and I'm looking around, nothing's happening. It's just, it's all in the song. But this is, I like this song. This is a good song. 
It's not as good as Sex Shooter, but it's one of the better songs on this album. The end. Wow. I am surprised to hear you say that. Big time. And with that, player, what are your thoughts on this? Captain, you're saying brother, sister, or cousin of 17 days. When I hear this song, especially the keyboard lead line, to me, this sounds like Sheila E's Toy Box. Sounds very similar to that or like a variation of it. Go listen to this and go listen to that. You'll hear it. You'll pick it up. Uh-huh. The vocal sounds of Brenda sound like Donna Summer to me and it's timbre and it's delivery. I agree with Captain. I actually like this song. I think it's one of the better ones on here and there's some cool Minneapolis sounds yeah. sprinkled throughout. So I don't know if there's something long like a limousine and blue uh, that it's <laughs> referring to, but there it is. Track three. Wow. <laughs> Toe Jam. I can't even speak right now. Toe Jam, go ahead. It's the, when you think of the title, if the blue limousine is supposed to represent something, what's the little red Corvette supposed to represent? Oh, see. <laughs> you never hope they get into a car crash. <laughs> and they, they create purple rain. <laughs> oh, my God. And there you have it. We come full circle. This is the pinnacle of this show. That's it. The minute I said he was holding an umbrella, you guys thought I was crazy. And there you go. <laughs> Wasn't so crazy after all. Um, yeah, this, oh. is, this song doesn't sound as unfinished as some of, some of the other songs. <laughs> it just sounds so weird to say that. Um, it's got that counting time thing, which was used later on in insatiable you know it's 7 30 now it's 7 31 now it's 7 32 uh, he does that in insatiable but obviously he's not waiting around there for that one i agree with player it's got some cool minneapolis synths going on i think it goes too long it tries to do this funky workout thing but it, i rarely get to the end of this song there's something about the bass in this that just kind of irks me like um the bass is sort of going one 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 then it goes down to a flat six flat six flat six flat six but then the, mm. when it goes back to the one, then, then you've got this attempt at a funky bass going, womp, 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 which is sort of a major six thing. And it's just, I don't know, it always sounds a bit messy to me. Like, it's, it's like it's not sure if it's, I can imagine the bass player going, what, what am I doing on the sixth note? Am I supposed to be playing a major or minor? Like, it just kind of sounds mm. weird to me. Kind of some throwaway lyrics like, such a pity I bought a camisole today. It's like, it kind of sounds a bit tired. Like, that would have been, if it was done by vanity, it might have sounded a bit more playful, but it just kind of sounds a bit like rehash. That's all I really got for it. It's not bad. Like I said, it doesn't sound as unfinished as some of the others, but it's not really that great a mem- or memorable a song. I think we're saying, oh, you know, this isn't too bad, this one. And it's not, but if this was, say, on Purple Rain, we'd all be saying this is the biggest filler song on the album. So oh, for it's sure, all for context. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. context. Yeah, it depends. You're completely right. It depends what album it's on. Come on, MC. Let's go. The opener wasn't great. The second song was a fantastic funk jam of a single. And this brings it back down again. I have to agree with uh, you guys on the whole. The best part of this track is the last two and a half minutes, I think. That's the only part where it kind of jams out a little bit, a little bit more anyway. But otherwise, it's pretty forgettable. I mean, I think that this might have been better done in the style of or actually done by the Bangles. I can see them kind of, if they took this track and... Bangled it up. Yeah, <laughs> made it a little bit more colourful. I think there could be something in it. But the girls, uh, the three girls here, just, they, they don't have enough oomph, uh, chutzpah, whatever the word is, uh, to um, moxie. That's what it is. Moxie was what I was looking for. They don't have enough of any of that. And I think, you know, it's just... All right, what's next? And next is track number four. Track number four is entitled A Million Days, no, not A Million Days, A Million Miles. I love you, in brackets. 
Take it away, player. Uh, this is another one I like. The music sounds across between Irresistible Bitch. I think I get that from the drums. And I don't know, there's something about that piano and bass. It's on the tip of my tongue. It sounds like another song. Is it um, Sexy Dancer, that piano solo? It's got a similar kind of... Nah, it's something, I don't know. Maybe the listeners can help us out. Hit us up on uh, Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> let us know. I like this song. It has a nice sentiment, but I mean, largely it's forgettable. If you think of, you know, the songs on this album, like, you know, you instantly think of Sex Shooter and all that. This one, maybe not so, but I, I do like when it comes on listening to it. So it's a cool song, but not that memorable. Hmm. Okay, well, Toe Jam wasn't feeling track number three. Is he feeling track number four, A Million Miles? Toe Jam? I think Blue Limousine is a slightly better produced song. This one is a better song overall. I don't know if I can say that. I enjoy listening to this one slightly more than Blue Limousine. Like they kind of, to me, they're similar kind of songs. Um, you've got tambourine going all the way through it. It's a bit more acoustic drums in this one. Uh, lots of ride cymbal, big tightly wound actual snare. Um, you've got these toms doing these big fills all the way through it. They sound so obviously overdubbed, though. They don't sound. They, they sort of sound like they've been put in later. You've got the title, which is a very princely title, A Million Miles, you know, like A Million Days or 17 Days. It's, it's sort of similar kind of princely titles from that era. You've got this whole lyric about would you eat a poison apple and it's weird part in the middle where Brenda's going, don't die, death is darkness or something. And it's, it's like, uh. I don't know what's going on there. It's It's just kind of weird. Yeah. You've got Prince clearly singing somebody, somebody, clap hands in his clap your typical hands. voice. Uh, then you got a piano solo. Is it Lisa? Lisa. He thoughts. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. It's, it's pretty upbeat. You've got the Tom solo going on at the end. Um, something different, I guess. Uh, so it maybe sort of leads in a bit to the Sheila Ear album um, with, with her Timbali solos. It sort of leads into that. Yeah, but it's, it's pretty forgettable, really. I mean, when it comes, when I listen to it like once every six years, I'm like, oh, yeah, this isn't too bad, this song, but then I won't listen to it for another six years. I was actually thinking this afternoon when I was listening to it, I was thinking, I'm guessing it's been at least six years since I've listened to this album, at least, if not more, maybe 10. And that's enough, right? It's funny how that number six keeps coming up, doesn't it, don't you? <laughs> it's on the brain. This is the funky jam of the album. And I don't know, I mean, we haven't heard from Captain yet, but I don't know what you guys are on about, player, Toe Jam. This is like in-the-pocket drums, tambourines, Shaky percussion sounds, minimalist single bass note thumps, tasteful piano. Sheila E's percussion about two-thirds of the way through takes it into funk overdrive. Are you kidding me? So that explains it. So it is actually Sheila E. Yeah, big time. And uh, Sheila, Sheila just, man, she goes off on this track. And tied with Sex Shooter, this is the best track on this album any day of the week. And depending on my mood, I might even bump this one way more than Sex Shooter. It just depends. But uh, this is a jam. This is, you know, every Prince album or, or related artist album that contains Prince music has at least one massive jam on it. And this is, I think this is it. This is the one. I, I love it. That Latin style towards the end, man, it gets me grooving. And it's, it's a really, it's a sleeper funk jam. I mean, if you walked up to a Prince fan, even a hardcore fan and said, what's one of your favorite 80s jams? And they were like, a million miles, man. That, that's the one. That's the one that does it every time. You'd be like, what? What are you talking about? But... Uh, <laughs> I'd be like, what? What's that song? I've never even heard of it. I'm not suggesting that I'd be the good. I'd be the fan that would say, say that. But uh, you know, I guess I like the chorus. I like the vocal strong. chorus. You know, but it's like a big open chorus. It's good. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's a it's a real cool funky jam and uh, tied with Sex Shooter for the best best piece of music on this record. Now we're gonna we're about to find out whether it's split fifty fifty 
or whether it's <laughs> three three to one. Captain, what are your thoughts on this one? This song probably, well, I think definitely has the most band input than any other track on this album. Most of them are mostly Prince doing everything. The writing credit says Prince and Lisa, but you never know. Yeah, you've got Sheila E on drums and percussion, which you can tell from the, the first two seconds of this song. Uh, you've got Wendy on the funky guitar, you've got Lisa on keyboards, and again, Brenda on lead vocals. So we're four tracks in, and I think we're three tracks sung by Brenda. More on that later. <laughs> but the track itself, I don't have that much to say about it. I could be wrong, but I don't think I've said this for a while, but this this is, it's just a song. The the highlight's probably the little guitar and keyboard solos by Wendy and Lisa later on. Three and a half minutes, this song just should be finishing, but it keeps going. Uh, it breaks down to like bass and drums, and then Sheila's got a solo. It's not boring, but uh, it's just not great. Wow. I did not expect this. So, yeah, three against one. Three against one, just like Vanity Six versus Prince, or Apollonia Six versus Prince. <laughs> See? The, the connections just keep happening. It we can't never ends. <laughs> okay, let's keep the wheels moving, huh? Song number five. Ooh, she, she, wow, wow. I couldn't even finish oh, that yes. without cracking up uh, and couldn't keep a straight face saying it. So I heard an ooh yes in the background. I think that's uh, the captain yelling something out. So I'm going to hand it over to him. What are your thoughts on this track? Second best strike on this album. <laughs> Susan. Now you are crazy. The one and only song, Susan Moonsey on lead vocals. Like Jesse Johnson and Sly Stone, you are crazy. <laughs> You've got Jill Jones on backing vocals along with Apollonia and Brenda. 90-second intro. That's a long intro, which is a funny intro. People will talk about that, but I don't care. I like this song. That intro should have just been another track, and then it could have been like an eight-track album instead of seven tracks. I think out of these three girls, based solely on this song, I like Susan's vocals the most out of all three of them. It's good. In this song, there's a crazy solo at 2.35. It's most likely Prince. No one else is credited. It's like a... It's like someone heard Dr. Fink doing some mental solos and like, I can do that, but doesn't quite get it. But it's still pretty mental. Okay, this song, it's at the tempo it starts at, but then it slows down and it's time for Susan to rap. This is a great time of your life when you hear this song. <laughs> I love that rap. It's just classic. This is a song that I wish went on for four more minutes instead of the other one, which is four minutes too long. This is my second favorite song of this album. Sex Shooters, yeah, yeah, classic Minneapolis sound. Blue Limousines, decent pop song. But this is something else, the way it slows down and then goes into rap. That probably was like blowing people's minds in 1984. That's, that wasn't a normal thing. This is a good song. It's still not a normal thing. <laughs> good. Who wants a normal song? I want this song. This is good. I don't have any other song with Susan singing. This is it. Meow. It's great. <laughs> is that it? That's it. I, 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 I can just keep talking how great it is, or you guys no, can say it's not. There's mystified silence in the room, I think. Well, I can't see the facial expression of the other two, but... Meow. <laughs> I'm keen to give this one a go. My name is Susan. Oh, it's so good. I, I kind of get what Captain's saying. Just like in the Vanity Six album, Prince gave the more experimental songs to Susan. Both um, Drive Me Wild and what's the other one? Makeup is are her lead vocals. And again, he's given the more different oddball one to Susan Susan. 
as we might refer to her in the song. <laughs> I, my first thing is it's not as good as makeup though. Like I really liked makeup from oh the Vanity Six album. What? And this one, this one is like it's it's this it's the same sort of idea. It's more like a soundscape thing. It's this new wave thing, but it's just not as good. The ideas just aren't as they don't seem as fresh. It seems a bit more forced, I think. As soon as it comes on, I think, hey, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Like <laughs> it does sound tempo. a bit like that. Yeah. Yep. I've also got the, it's got a crazy around the world in the day era sort of synth solo, that sort of yeah. Indian Arabic thing he's going on, these fast kind of flurries. The the rap, I'm kind of torn on this one because I can kind of see what Captain gets out of it. It's like, it's very, I don't want to say it's almost K-pop, but it's... Um, it's just so unexpected. It, I didn't, because yeah. I hadn't heard this album ever, and then it started slowing down, and then she's like, my name is Suze. Oh, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. I listened to this song more than any other song. Other song. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I had to write this down. I wrote it down originally to, to pay it out, but now that I'm kind of thinking about it, I'm like, it is kind of, like, funny. It's deliberately funny. I'll make you happy if you give me candy. It's like they're the most throwaway rhymes you could possibly come up with. You know what it sounds exactly like? It sounds just like, my name is Prince and I am funky. It's, yeah. it's, the, it's the original version of that song. <laughs> How many years Demo. earlier? So many epiphanies ten, in that ten years earlier. So many epiphanies. Ten years earlier, this was the original demo. Oh man, this album's like the beginning of everything. <laughs> it's like the beginning of the Minneapolis sound. It is. Yeah. I kind of like the electronic synth stabs that come in when it slows down. Sort of more, they're kind of interesting. Yeah, but to me, it's kind of a pale imitation of makeup. And I think makeup was the more original version of this kind of thing. So I'm kind of torn. It's like, it's not as good as I would like it to be. It's kind of throwaway. There's some problems with it, but there is something sort of naively interesting about it. Hmm. When you say naively, are you talking like teacher, schoolgirl naively or? Like the way she sings it, she's like, you know, like this naive teenager who thinks she's like got this really cool experimental track, but really it's kind of throwaway and she doesn't mm. realize that. <laughs> I think many of the protégés around this time didn't realize how throwaway some of this material would end up becoming. But um, I don't want to crap on too much on this. I'll let player do that. Player, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> First of all, the skit, <laughs> it's way too long. It should have been its own track that you can skip. Yeah. Back in the vinyl days, you know, you'd have to pick up the needle and <laughs> reposition it. But yeah, it should have had its own little thing. So you could just jump straight into this. Yeah, it goes into something like Tojim since it's more akin to the Vanity Six track makeup, but like uh, Tojim said, like a poorer version of it. Um, I do like the slowdown bit. That is pretty funky when that happens. That's a pretty cool moment. Yes. yes. But um, largely it's a forgettable song. But yeah, no, there, it does. No. It does have, <laughs> it does have <laughs> moments. <laughs> Yeah, it has its moments. Hmm. What do you say about this? I know Captain gave it a glowing reference, but I'm not convinced that he hadn't consumed half a bag of candy prior to listening to it. So I'll let that one go. Look, it was this was recorded the day after Manic Monday. Obviously, he didn't have much left by the time he got to this. That's that's okay. Yeah, terrible. He recorded on Terrible Tuesday, and he came up with this track. I mean, this is weird, but. There are some oddball moments and you guys have covered them all. And as much as I don't care for this song, I just press skip and I move on. But one thing I will say is, and it doesn't just apply to this track, but it, it applies in particular because this is the song we're talking about. There are a handful of songs in Prince's early 80s discography that I think would have benefited a lot from replacing the synths 
the thick synth sounds he was using with crunching, raw, almost atonal guitars. Now, what do I mean by that? If this song had guitars instead of synths, I think it, not only would it sound obviously completely different, but it would be like a girl punk rock jam a la something by the Slits, if anyone's familiar with them. He could have, if he made that decision. you were going to say Third Eye Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I said punk rock, though. <laughs> so the thing is... Right? Yeah. If you do that... Haven't you seen you Donna's it? haircut with the undercut? <laughs> Come on. She's as punk as it gets. If you replace the synths with the guitars, it just becomes a completely different animal. So it's got attitude, but it's like bubbling under the surface and it's a bit kind of cutesy, too, too cute for its own good. It hasn't aged well. It's it's very dated sound, that synth, that synth bass sound. Yeah. So although it could have sounded like the slits, it sounds like, well, it sounds like Is Apollonius. Is it just a coincidence that that, that that sounds like sluts? Is that, <laughs> what's that? No, I don't think so. Maybe it's another one of these like weird, eerie connections that we're making tonight. <laughs> But look, if he did this, if he did this with guitars, it would have sounded like everything else that was happening. This was the point of Minneapolis Sound. It was using 50 cents on one track. Oh, very good. Yeah, interesting comment there. Then it would be Hey Mickey or something else Mm. that had guitars. Yeah, the slits are a bit different from that, from Hey Mickey, but (laughs) I get the point. (laughs) I like the attitude of this number, but other than that, it's a little throwaway. It's Susan's only track. Come on. Yeah, come on. It's 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 her big time to shine. It's and a uh, she's a Susan and she's a Susan. So what else can you say? <laughs> uh, so good. And then and then after Usen, it's with desire for you. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, 80s, isn't it? It's so 80s. It's so juvenile. <laughs> if you go and so, watch that Apollonia little mini movie when she sings this song, oh, it's the best thing in the whole thing. It's so good. Go and watch it. I'll take your word for it. Track number six. <laughs> Track number six is called Some Kind of Lover. And I'm waiting for someone to throw up their hand for this one. Who is it? Who's it going to be? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I think I heard a ooh. I think I heard a ooh, she, she, wah, wah from uh, Tojen. Tojen, take this away. <laughs> Uh, okay, it's, it's not a bad song, this one. Uh, his voice is getting high again. <laughs> <laughs> Very convincing. Uh, <laughs> I kind of like it. Actually, a lot of the time, that's just me trying to remember how the song goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I've written, my first thing I wrote down was that it reminds me of the Bria Valente song, Something You Already Know, which had a similar one to four kind of chord thing going on. Man. I like the fact that the lead vocalist, who I think is Brenda again, is that right? Yeah. Surely not. Yes. I never noticed. I never realized how many songs Brenda sings on this one. Um, I like the way that she says some, and then the backing vocals are kind of lover. Like, I like that idea. Uh, the backing vocals sort of coming into the prominent chorus part there. I've written the songs kind of fun. It's playful. Some cool moving bass parts and chords. Each beat, like leading up to each chorus, there's this, Interesting little chord progression that moves around. That's kind of cool. I've written It Goes Too Long Again. There's a few of these songs that just go a little bit too long. They wear pretty thin. And the end is kind of awkward, <laughs> this song, with um, Brenda saying, faster, faster. But the song's kind of getting slower. And then she kind of 
climaxes and she's she's embarrassed. It's like, well, thanks, Prince, for putting it on the record. So <laughs> it's a bit. I don't know. It's a bit off-putting that bit for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to distinguish this one and Blue Limousine and A Million Days. They they're kind of similar songs, similar tempo, and they're sort of poppy, but they're not really hitting it that hard. And so yeah, it's kind of skippable. That's it. That's skippable. It. Okay. Ooh, well, this is all skippable. I mean, let, let's everything except sex shooter is skippable. And, uh, <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. I'm not saying that I'll that means it. they're all terrible, terrible songs. Yeah, when I first heard this, I thought, is this Chrissy Hind on the vocals? That's the first thing I heard. And I, every time I put this on, which is rarely, but I obviously I listened to it before this this album review. I listened to this a few times, and I was like, Chrissy Hind, this like sounds like the Pretenders, big time from a vocal point of view. This is a cool oh, yeah. track. It's pretty. It's pretty funky, like a mix between, I don't know, some early 80s jams, outstanding, got to be real, gap yeah. band type stuff. That's yeah. what it kind of reminds me of. Yeah, you're hearing that too, player? Yeah, I do. I got that in my notes. Ah, okay. So that's the kind of vibe and the style of this track. And that's about it. It's, a, it's, another, it's another funk jam. For me, not quite as good as A Million Miles. A Million Miles and Sex Shooter are the two standout songs from this album. But this one's next and completes the triumvirate group of tracks from this oh. record that I actually would take off this album and add into a little mixtape or something of that sort. So, yeah, it's a cool song. Um, I can dig it. I can groove to it. And, again, it's nothing incredible but not every song has to be a masterpiece right so uh yeah with that i'll take it away to player seeing that he uh had a similar thought let's see if he likes it or not player i do i think it's enjoyable but again it's in the moment it's not like one of the memorable ones but when i'm listening to it i really like it the instrumentation to me sounds like uh like pop life like the drums it sounds like it's recorded maybe at a similar time it sounds like around the world in a day-ish kind of vibe yeah, I'm getting like that pop light vibe of the, at least the drums and stuff off this. The throwback songs that you were talking about, to me, the the vocal delivery sounds like a rip of uh, Rick James' Mary Jane. You know, the some kind of oh, lover, yeah. the Mary yes. Jane. Like, yeah. That's that's ver- actually, that's very similar. It is very similar. That's the thing with this album, like each song, like I'm finding a correlation to other songs, you know? So for me, it, for this one, it's Mary Jane by Rick James. But like I said, it's a great track. But again, it's it's in the moment. It's nothing that's super memorable. Hmm. Captain. This was recorded exactly one month before Pop Life. Ah, oh, wow. you got it in one, player. Gee. 19th of January, 19th of February. Listen to it back to back. You might pick up on it. Was Pop Life recorded in February 1984? Yeah, most yes. of Around the World in the Day was recorded before Purple Rain was released. Yeah, I didn't mm. realize Pop Life that's, was, though. I, that, that sounded like really... Wow. That, yeah. Jeez, that blew my mind. I thought it was like late 84, early 85 for, the, for Pop Life, the song. Jeez. That's such a good song. I haven't listened to Pop Life for ages. I'm going to listen to it after this. Yeah. Listen to it back to back with this song. You hmm. pick up on the instrumentation. Okay, this song. This is a funky track when you think Prince is playing everything. It's all him. There's no one else on this track except for Brenda singing. I love this chorus. Again, with this descending walking bass line and then that last chord to resolve it. Oh, the chorus is great. Good, good chorus. Uh, the bass sounds great. The drumming is not amazing, but... Like MC's talked about, you can hear when Prince is drumming. He's just got a way of playing. And even this early on, when I was listening to it, I'm like, it's there. You can just hear it. I don't know what it is. You just you just know. But what I like about this track is everything sounds really 
clean and crisp. Like, everything's recorded really well. The drums, the bass, the guitar, it's all crystal clear. But yeah, again, Brenda, lead vocals. This is, um, out of the seven tracks on this album, four songs, Brenda. One for Susan, two for Apollonia. Uh, this was also the B-side of Blue Limousine, and that's all I've got to say. Well, that was quick. Yeah. Now we get to the outro. I mean, it's track number seven. It's the last song on the album. Is it a know. song? Yeah, I don't even know. Is What is it? I, I say outro. It's a cool little outro in a Spanish villa, right? Yes, sí, será. Así se cocinar muy sabroso. It's a song. It's a very short song. A very short song. And uh, let's go around the table again. Just to, I mean, this rounds out the album in, a, uh, in an outro fashion, I guess you could say. So uh, let's do the same on the show. I'm going to go left to right. Player, what are your uh, thoughts on the last piece of music on this record? Vocally, it sounds very sexy to listen to. My Spanish isn't that good. I mean, you know, I'd have to watch a few episodes of Dora the Explorer to brush up on my Spanish. But, <laughs> you know, at least on the music side of it, the guitar is pretty sexy, both the acoustic and the electric guitar. Like in parts of it, it sounds a bit stairway to heavenish. And yeah, I mean it's credited to Apollonia and Wendy, so I don't know if it's Wendy that's doing all the guitar, but it's it's quite it's quite cool. And yeah, there's a Spanish all over the top. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of our Spanish listeners that can translate and tell us the rough translation. But it's it's a very sexy thing to listen to, but it's kind of wasted, you know, like you think the end they would you know do a song this just sounds like an interlude that could have stuck between a track you know if they really wanted to use it but just that's a way to finish up the album it's kind of disappointing that's definitely an interesting choice to close an album with mm. yeah just like the first track was a very interesting choice to open the album with groundbreaking album <laughs> if he wouldn't have uh tagged this onto the end of the record he would have had six tracks oh shut up but no <laughs> had to go with seven the favorite number toe jam what are your thoughts on this outro <laughs> i pretty much agree with player it's an interesting little soundscape thing i think i mean i'm assuming it's prince playing the solo parts on the distorted guitar there's some cool little yeah, runs I think going it's on there on all the guitars i don't know what she's talking about it is kind of atmospheric as a close, I think again, I think it would have been better as a segue between two tracks rather than a closer. Um, that's pretty much it, really. All right, Captain, your final thoughts? Okay, this song was the B side of Sex Shooter, which was the first single. So we've got Apples on vocals and Prince, I think, on all the guitars. There's some no, nice solos in there. A minute ago, when you were saying that Apollonia is on two of the songs in terms of being the lead vocals. When you think of it, it's really only one, because this one's not really a singing. Not really singing, yeah. yeah. It's like she's on one song. She's on Sex Shooter, and that's... That. Yeah. <laughs> but there's some nice guitar solos on here. This could be longer, too. It's the shortest track. It's not even 2 minutes 20. My rough idea of what is happening in this song is there's two people who don't know each other, and then they meet, and then they talk about they're both, like, lonely, and then they kiss. And then that's it. See you later. Nothing happens. Hmm. Correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. If anyone else does, what happened? Yeah, that's why it's so short. <laughs> if it was going to turn into your normal Prince song, it'd be insatiable and it'd go for nine minutes. But no, they kiss her. That's it. So that's why it's only two two minutes something. But it's, yeah, definitely, a, again, a strange choice to, to close an album with. She doesn't say in Spanish, oh, silly man. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I heard. Oh, silly uh, Chicano. <laughs> the thing I like about the guitars on this is like, 
This is Prince's idea of some sort of Spanish vibe. I always just think that's interesting. When someone who has very little knowledge of something and they're like, this is what I think this is. And I'm not saying it's it's bad. It's just a, it's something that I like. I'm not sure why. Yeah, it reminds me of another early 80s song that I can't, of Prince's, and I can't remember whether it's, whether it's, it might have actually uh, been, I think it I actually, no, I want to say, I want to say Chili Sauce off Ice Cream Castle, and it reminds yeah. me, even though it's a different instrument, it reminds me Yeah, yeah, me of there is something the, on what, one of the, the time keyboard. albums has got something like that. Yeah, it reminds me of the keyboard part towards the end of the song Chili Sauce on the Time record, Ice Cream Castle. What they're playing on the keyboard is very similar in parts to what he's playing on the guitar here, I think. That's what it is. It's an approximation of a Spanish-sounding thing. (laughs) Yeah. I'm surprised that no one has made the, to me, really obvious reference to Carlos Santana. I mean, to me... It's not that obvious. To me, this is quite possibly the most Santana-esque guitar part that he has ever recorded in the studio. Yeah, I wouldn't deny that. I was thinking, has he ever recorded a more Santana-esque? Yes. From a scales perspective? Yes. Everlasting Now. Ah, yeah. Yeah, you got me. You got me there, yeah. Bang. But that's a short solo. Like, I think this isn't the best solo Prince has ever done, but in terms of a sustained Santana thing, this is probably the one. I mean, yeah, you're right, player. Everlasting Now has a very... But it's not even really a... I guess it's a very short solo. Yeah, this is a longer... This is a longer solo. But aside from Everlasting Now, I can't think of anything. Little bit on the word, the song The Word of 3121, maybe. But but remember, this was recorded in 1984. So is this the first? I think this is possibly the first Santana-esque guitar solo, definitely. So Overtly one, yeah. Yeah. Like he's not, what I'm getting at is Prince is not playing in his own style at this point, or at least not on this track. Like he's obviously mimicking a certain vibe, which makes sense because the song's called in a Spanish villa, therefore he's going for that feel. But um, it's a little bit Miami Vice-esque, Miami Beach, you know, I don't know. <laughs> One more thing what's funny about is his, this is what my Spanish, my idea of a Spanish song is. And then you've got later on the Latin ending, he threw on countless tracks either studio or live and most of the time ended up playing the same riff almost every time (laughs) it's like this is my latin thing i've done the spanish thing and then he did the latin thing like year after year he played it like in some form and it was always very similar and it's just an interesting thing Mm. because he never really that we know he never really got into like latin music but there's this sort of trend that he had of just doing that bit like here and there but it was always a very similar bit each time. It never really changed that much. I think that probably comes down to the comment that Susan Rogers has been making in, in the last few interviews that she's done over the last year or so, where she refers to the conversation that Prince had with her around, this is the street I live on. And he was using that as a metaphor to say, you know, I'm a funk artist. Like, you know, I'm the, I'm a James guy. I'm a sly guy. I'm a cameo guy or whatever. I, I don't think he used cameo as an example. I threw that one in there. But he was talking about the street you live on is the thing that you know best. And in his case, mm. it was funk music. So so Latin music by its very nature of Spanish music, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's not, he wasn't brought up and raised on that deeply as far as we know. So, yeah, it's not surprising to hear him returning to the same motifs. But uh, with that said, guys, we got through these seven songs and 
none of us have been arrested, which is pretty good, I, I would say. So we've um, <laughs> we've managed to uh, close out this album review and get through it all. And it's it's a weird album, isn't it? Because I can't see myself returning to this often. If anything, I might take off Sex Shooter and A Million Miles and maybe some kind of lover and put it on an associated artist's playlist. But that's about it. What, what about you guys? I'm going to listen to Susan's song. I'm sure you will. Ushishiwawa <laughs> as soon as we push stop on this recording. <laughs> Which can't come soon enough in your case. <laughs> I'm just going to finish off by um, saying what I said at the beginning of the show, which was kind of a disappointing album in the sense of the circumstances of how it got to be what it is, and that it was supposed to be Vanity Six album number two, and it's not. We end up getting this kind of half-baked version of that because of, you know, the time had gone on, as in the actual, not the band, the time, you know, it, this came out in October. Purple Rain had moved on by then. I think the tour was probably the more important thing at that point, so they get this album out to, you know, sell with the tour probably. Uh, and the lead vocalist isn't even on, it's not even the lead vocalist in half the songs. Um, <laughs> Brenda's definitely featured more. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a, it's an interesting little project. It's like a failed thing that they put out anyway. Okay, at the start, I said, don't judge a book by, or an album by its cover. Yeah. And that translates in a bunch of different ways. One is what we've all said. People would have bought this album after seeing Purple Rain. I doubt anyone would have bought this who hadn't seen Purple Rain. But they would have seen Sex Shooter and go, oh, that, that's a good song. I'm going to go buy this album. And then you get the album, and yeah, Apollonia barely sings one song. The rest is other people. Even though it is a band, still, you expect the main one to be singing the songs. And Sex Shoot is the obvious single, and people would have known that from the movie. But then you get this album. Most of the songs, they're, they're not great. If you expected an album of sex shooter type songs, you would have been pretty disappointed. And the other thing, yeah, Brenda sings most, four of the songs of Brenda. And it's just, because as soon as Apollonia did the movie, she said, I'm not interested in going on tour. I don't want to be going and doing any of that. I've done my acting thing and that's it. See you later. And I think as soon as that happened, Prince is like, this album's lost interest instantly. Took the good songs he had. I wouldn't be surprised if Warner Brothers said, look, you have to release an Apollonia 6 album. Just because it's guaranteed to sell X amount, just put something out. <laughs> well, see, back then, you know, there wasn't Paisley Park. All these songs would have been recorded on at Warner Brothers' cost. They would have been like, look, you've already spent this much money on studio time on this album. This album has to get out and at least try and recoup some of the cost. And I don't know how many it sold, but I don't think it would have been a huge amount. But this album now is probably more, you know, well-known to Prince fans. Again, like we said before, the songs that aren't on there. 17 Days, The Glamorous Life, Manic Monday, and God, probably someone else we don't even know about. Imagine if all three of those songs were on this album. It would have been, again, it would, that, then it would have been bigger than Purple Rain. It would have been huge. With your point about not judging the book by its cover, it's interesting that if Brenda sings more than half the songs, when you flip the cover over on the back cover, there's a big... She's you know, the main picture. She's, yeah. yeah, she's the main picture, yeah. Blowing that cigarette. That's it. But yeah, on the vinyl, and then you pull out the, the middle sleeve, and then you've got Apollonia on there. And Susan on the other side. So Brenda is on the back cover of this album. So there's sort of a hint there that, you know, she's singing a couple of songs. But, oh, yeah, if I bought this album after seeing Purple Rain thinking, oh, there's going to be a whole bunch of songs like Sex Shooter, that's a good one. And then there's nothing like it on there. And it's not even that girl singing. Well, not that most people wouldn't have even noticed back then anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, 
it's definitely a, an anomaly out of like most of the protege albums. This one sort of got its its own, you know, its own history, its own world that all this stuff happened around it when most of the other albums were just recorded and put out. But this one had hey, all this stuff going on. I've got a question for the panel. If you can only choose one of these albums to take on a long trip with you, what do you choose between Vanity 6 and Apollonia 6? Apollonia 6. No, Vanity Six is heaps better. Can I Play make up? a mixtape of the two? <laughs> actually, that'd be that'd, that'd be pretty good. That's a lot of bad idea. I was idea. thinking that earlier, but I was thinking, well, it's probably just going to be Vanity Six plus Sex Shooter. <laughs> True. <laughs> and there's yeah. still there are a bunch of unreleased. I mean, I think there's a version of Apollonia doing Manic Monday, and I think there's is there a version of Vanity Six doing Sex Shooter? I think I saw that somewhere. Yeah. Okay. On that note, uh, that's the end of the album review, folks. Thanks for listening to the Peach and Black podcast. Go hard and go deep into these uh, seven tracks. (laughs) (laughs) I think you listened to this album a lot more than we did. I'm just trying to keep keep the the mood light and the party vibe high. Uh, it's been another Peach and Black presentation, and it's been a pleasure to have your company from Rob S and everyone here at the Peach and Black crew, Player Toe Jam, and Captain. See you next time. Meow. Keeping the funk alive. Meow.